I really want to thank Miro, one of the most useful tools. They sponsor this podcast. They are my go-to resource when it comes to working remotely and collaborating. They're also great for an office, but let me paint a picture for you. Everyone here is working from home in some capacity. Either we have peers that work from home, maybe we're part in the office, part out. Collaboration can be chaotic. Miro is the ultimate digital whiteboard and visual collaboration platform. You could be a remote team, you could be a creative agency, you could be a solopreneur. Miro allows you to brainstorm, plan, and execute seamlessly. Picture this, you're in a virtual meeting mapping out a huge project with Miro. You can drag and drop sticky notes, sketch wireframes, organize ideas all in real time. You collaborate with your team no matter where they are. This is a game changer. If you are ready to transform your workflow, you have to try Miro today. To show you how powerful it is, I created my own Miro board that you can check out at Miro.com slash success pod. It has a ton of resources for entrepreneurs, but it will also show you all the functionality of Miro. So go to Miro.com or go to Miro.com slash success pod for a ton of resources. Try Miro today. It's going to radically change how you collaborate with your team. You know, traditional career isn't safe anymore. That's hell. It really is hell. If something is like physically draining my energy, I cut it out of my life, including people. You feel like you're in a shitty situation. Remove yourself from that situation. Do it. All right, welcome to the Digital Social Hour. I'm your host, Sean Kelly, and I'm joining my guest today, Scott Clary. How we doing? What's going on, man? Welcome to Miami. I'm in your town, man. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. You got to show me around. After? We will. <laughs> we will. We will. Oh, so man. what's going on? Uh, not much. Give people a brief uh, summary of what you've done and what you're working on. Yeah, sure. So super quickly, sort of to give you a high level on my life, um, background was always in tech, always on the sales and marketing side, so really strong sales and marketing uh you know, started selling tech and then moved into sales and marketing leadership, um, led teams to the companies that I built that were acquired. So I had some success there. Now I'm focused on um, capital allocation, meaning I do some angel investing. I'm trying to build a private equity firm, mm -hmm. um, which is uh, a wild ride to, to you know, put it lightly. Uh, I run a really large business podcast. Um, sort of to summarize like the different seasons of my life went from operator into investor capital allocator, but this is very recent for me. So I'm making the transition at this point in my life because I've had career success. I've had entrepreneur success. I've had, you know, build a company. It's been acquired never as the entrepreneur CEO founder, but always bolting myself on as like the sales and marketing person to help scale it up. Um, and it's tiring as hell. Mm. So right now where I want to be, like I like building my own podcast, my own brand. I don't mind building companies, but I rather work with multiple founders in a portfolio mm. manager or like, you know, you have all my portfolio companies and manage them. And I think that's, in terms of longevity, where most people that build companies eventually end up. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we can take this conversation a million different ways, but um, I'm dealing with, do I want to be VC, private equity? What are the differences between the two? Why I'm making decisions is to build a private equity firm versus just do angel investing, just do VC? Because there's so many different ways to make money once you have a little bit to play with, and even if you don't have a lot to play with, and I'm sort of learning that end of it now. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where I'm at. Um, so yeah, long time sales and marketing. I mean, that's sort of my thing. So. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, your podcast is incredible. You've interviewed some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world, yeah. you know, billionaires, 
guys like Grant Cardone. What was it like interviewing Grant? Because he's a controversial figure. So funny because I actually don't, when you talk to him, I don't find him that controversial. Mm. I think he's controversial in the sense that he just doesn't have a filter. Mm -hmm. But when you talk to him like one-on-one, -on -one, he's actually a really down-to-earth, pragmatic dude. Mm. So he doesn't come across as like an asshole. He just says it like it is, which I think for a lot of people that throws them off. Um, he's he's an, he's another marketing guy too. Like he knows that if he says the most ridiculous shit online, like he's gonna get clicks, which yeah, is yeah. which is cool. And it's also his personality. Like I think his personality shines through. When I spoke to him, it was a pretty normal conversation. Mm -hmm. So when I spoke to him, um, and that was a that was a fun interview because it was during COVID. So like it was right when shit was hitting the fan, and we just had a conversation about how, you know, traditional career isn't safe anymore. Mm -hmm. So the things that you thought. You know, you looked at your parents, you saw them work a job for 30, 40 years, and that was like your model of what success was. COVID fucked that all up. Mm. So COVID screwed that up, 180, turned it on its head. And I mean, like Grant raises money to buy real estate. And that's kind of been his message all along. But yeah. in that particular conversation, it was like, okay, regardless of whether or not you put money into to my real estate assets or you, you work with me, like find a way to get cash flow so that you don't depend on your nine to five. Mm -hmm. And that, funny enough, little bit of a segue is sort of what I'm working on in my life right now. So like, how do I buy cash flow? How do I buy businesses? How do I invest in businesses so that I don't have to be working in a business or working for one particular company for the rest of my life right. to make money? Cause that's, yeah. that's hell. It really is hell. And I mean, COVID everyone is furloughed, laid off. So yeah. all the shit that we thought was secure and safe and all the big companies that we thought would never let us go. That's what happened. People exactly. got let go in yeah. mass. And it kind of hit people that were complacent, like, you know, like it really hit them like a ton of bricks, like people didn't expect it. So, you know, whether or not it's investing in real estate, it's investing in businesses, it's just like understanding how to start a side hustle, whatever the fuck it is. And I've done like all of the things you can possibly do. And I've tried them all and tried to figure them all out. Mm -hmm. I think that the message from Grant and the message now that I speak about is like, find ways to sort of future proof yourself financially. Mm -hmm. Right. So that you aren't relying on that one particular job, one particular company, one particular source of income. And yeah, I think that's that's Grant's message, whether or not it's it's harsh and, and, <laughs> and, it, and it comes across. But I mean, it's real. Like It's yeah. very real. So it's like a wake up call for a lot of people. And I, it resonates with me. At least that part of it does. Absolutely. One of the things I like about you is you're very open with the reality of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Pe people don't talk about the lawsuits. They don't talk about the anxiety, <laughs> the late nights. Um, but you're very open about it. Mm -hmm. What makes you feel so comfortable to be open about it? That's a wow, that's a interestingly worded question. What makes me feel comfortable to be open about it? Yeah, because I feel like most people don't even want to talk about it publicly. Because I've dealt with all the shit, and I don't think it serves anyone to sugarcoat the reality, mm -hmm. right? I don't think that makes anybody's life easier. So if you are a good human being, and you've experienced something in your life, and you've learned from it, why would you not want somebody else that was you 10 years ago to not go through all the bullshit that you went through? Mm. Like, I don't see how that's a good way to operate through life. I don't believe in gaining knowledge. I mean, this is sort of like my, my thesis on life. I started a podcast interviewing people, didn't monetize it. Well, I monetized ads later on, but I didn't gate anything, didn't drop a course. I was podcasting while I was still working as CRO for a company. Mm. Um, and my, my thought around that was, I'm going to get awesome people that have experienced shit and podcasts is, is called success story, but it, and I'll plug it. But the point is, it's, it's not, it's not really meant to focus on successes. It's almost like 
it's uh, it's meant to show that somebody who has success has gone through all this bullshit along the way. Right. So that's why I started the show because I wanted people to understand that like life is not black and white. It's not easy. It's not like, and it's also not like the people that have achieved the billionaires, the people that have made over a hundred million, the people that have IPOs and exits. It's not like they haven't gone through shit themselves. So I think that sort of removing the veil and exposing what entrepreneurship really is is a really healthy way to educate people, to show them opportunity, but to not bullshit what they're getting themselves into. Agreed. So we just spoke about why jobs are not great anymore, why working is, well, people want to work. Not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody should be an entrepreneur. And jobs are great for some people. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurship is great for some people. But the point is, you just have to understand what you're getting yourself into and the potential drawbacks to each. There are a lot of drawbacks in putting all your cards on the table in one career for your entire life. Mm. There's also a lot of drawbacks in working in a, starting a company as a founder. A lot of drawbacks, there's a lot of drawbacks raising money from venture capitalists. There's a lot of drawbacks um, even joining a, a startup mm-hmm. as an early employee, getting a little bit of equity in that company. There's drawbacks in everything, but I think you have to just be more candid about it. And if more people are candid about all the different things that they go through in each of those scenarios, then the person coming out of college can make a really smart, educated decision, know what the fuck they're getting themselves into. Because mm-hmm. putting all your cards on career is tough. Putting all your cards on startup is equally as tough. A lot of depression, a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. Again, you mentioned lawsuits. But it's not just like lawsuits. It's like you are responsible for everything. So yeah, you deal with the lawsuits. You deal with the bankruptcies. You deal with when you can't pay your staff. You deal with when you pitch a VC and, and he or she tells you your idea is shit. You deal with when you sign you know, an LOI with a VC and they, and they, they screw you over on terms. And later on, like you realize when you exit your company, you don't own half as much as you thought you would. And even though, you know, Bloomberg is writing about a hundred million dollar exit, maybe after taxes, you're only getting a wire for five million or whatever it is. Or Mm. actually you get the wire first and pay taxes. But the point is, it's not easy. So that's why I talk about it so candidly. Right. And you mentioned college earlier. Is that something you will recommend to your kids or would you recommend going to college for upcoming entrepreneurs? Dude, that's a good question. Um, So... I think there's there's reasons why people should go to college. I learned a lot of soft skills in college. So I learned t- to not fuck around in college because high school was super easy for me. Yeah. So high school was super easy, barely tried, always killed it. Mm-hmm. That didn't fly so well with college when you're managing that many classes, that many courses at a, like a higher level of sophistication. Mm-hmm. So I think it allows you to be very pragmatic about where you place your time and your energy and just be a great time manager and then also understand how to go into a particular topic that you may not care about and learn enough to be proficient at it. I think that's a good skill to use and learn. But after college, like I got my MBA, all the shit that I learned in my MBA, I I had already learned that Mm -hmm. the majority of it working in startups Mm -hmm. and working in even large companies. So college is good for a variety of reasons. I don't think it's necessary, but I think that it can help someone structure their life better. So that's a little less chaotic because I can go into a new topic. And because of what I took away from university, I'm Canadian, but college, same difference. Um, What I took away from that is I can go into any topic and and reach a certain level of proficiency in that topic to at least be knowledgeable in it. And I felt that like being exposed to a wide variety of things in college gave me that skill set. But in terms of does it place me in in a career that I need? Well, there's some degrees that you actually have to get to. I mean, like we're talking like lawyer, you know, doctor, dentist, whatever. But outside of that, it is starting to lose some of its value. I agree. And I also don't believe that it's worth the price tag. And especially if we're talking about Ivy League shit, Mm -hmm. I mean, 
you better network the shit out of that <laughs> institution while you're there. Yeah, yeah. Or if not, it is not worth a hundred thousand dollars a year. It's a lot. Of and money. I think I think business. It's a ton of money, dude. And a lot of business leaders, CEOs, people that are hiring, are understanding that there's a lot of things that they will look for that is not a Stanford or a Harvard MBA. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't look for any of that. There's things that I will look for in somebody, but it will never be that. Right. So, you know, it has some merit if you take the right things away from it. If you're just going to fuck off for four years completely, then it's not worth it just to get the degree. Yeah. As someone who hires people, I think that's a unique perspective. What stands out on a resume for you? What stands out on a resume? So it depends on what I'm hiring for. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about startup land. Um, it's somebody that, funny enough, the most important thing is somebody that actually hasn't done the job in a, a Fortune 500 or Fortune 1000 company. So when I'm hiring for startup, I want somebody that is hyper ambitious, like all the buzzwords, right? Grit, ambition, like all those things are great to look for. But you always want people that are OK trying to do things the way that it hasn't been done before. Mm. So the worst hires that I've always made are people that I thought were hyper experienced and they come from enterprise, like really, really, really large business, mm -hmm. ton of skills, like on paper. Awesome. You put them into a startup. They fuck it up. Mm. They always fuck it up because they're like, it can't be done without resources, without a team supporting me, without an EA or whatever support they had in that big ass company. And then they end up sabotaging their own success because that's the only way they've ever operated. Mm. So you got to think, even as an entrepreneur, it's very hard to make the shift from working in a large company to working in a startup. It's, it's exceptionally hard for you. Imagine how hard it is for somebody who has never worked in a startup before and you're hiring them from and then you're putting them into that startup. That always screws up people wow. and it screws up that team. It screws up that you don't do it. I can see that. So find somebody that has the basic skill sets, that is proficient, that is an A player um, because A players are very important to hire. You don't want to hire Bs and Cs and, and you know you want somebody that will set the bar. In a startup environment, you're usually hiring somebody that's smarter than yourself at that thing, mm. but they haven't done it or they haven't. You don't want to be the first time they've moved away from large enterprise. That's the best way I can put it. Interesting. That would be my best advice. If they have moved away from enterprise, they've navigated that transition, um, and then you can find them at a later point in their career when they understand what startup is mm -hmm. and they've shown success in startup, preferably at a similar stage company in a similar role, fine, you can bring them in but just don't be that first point of transition. Right. So like we said earlier, you've interviewed some of the most successful entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. centimillionaires, billionaires. What are some common traits you've noticed from interviewing all these people? Um, so one of the most common traits is probably one of the reasons why it's important to be very candid about entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes um, an, unreasonable, like an unreasonable amount of energy and time and commitment to be successful at building something. So... You know, hustle culture is not great, mm -hmm. but candidly, if you are going to build the best thing in that category and you're going to take a business from zero to, you know, 100 million, 500 million, a billion IPO, like there will be a period of your time where you will not have balance. Mm. And I think that that's what people have to understand about entrepreneurship. I don't love hustle culture, but it's a reality if you really want to take it to the next level. And I think that there's obviously some exceptions to the rule, but the majority of people have, have disclosed that there are very real periods of discomfort in their life that they had to take on and they were willing to take that on to take their business to the next level. 
And I think that that's the reality that people have to understand. It impacts your life. It impacts your relationships. It impacts your your mental health, your well-being. Uh, it could impact your money if you if you aren't finding product market fit, if you aren't scaling quick enough. Right. It can be very stressful. So, yeah, don't love hustle culture, but but you will have to hustle yeah. for a period of time. I mean, even myself, uh, I I built a podcast while I was working full time in a startup environment. So, you know, I'm putting in 10 hours a day in the startup mm -hmm. and then evenings and weekends are all podcasting, sourcing guests, doing interviews. Day one, I had no budget for it. Now it's now I get ad revenue. So I roll that back into the team. But day one, I'm doing all the shit myself. Right. So video, audio. And that's because I chose to do it that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can be successful and then you can have a whole team supporting you at a later stage in your career. But like at that point, I knew I wanted to start it yearly. I wanted to I wanted to get it off the ground and I knew it was going to take hours and energy and effort to do. But I'm also a firm believer that if you do anything for 10 years, you will see success at that thing. And the day one version of that thing may not be the day year 10 version of that thing. But if you iterate over 10 years, you will build success in that thing. And there will be some measure of success. So I stand by that completely. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, if I bust my ass for five to 10 years of my life doing this one thing that I know will pay off, I have no problem with that. That's a very small portion of my life for something that honestly is, is an asset that I'll use mm. till the day I die. So that's sort of the reality of entrepreneurship and the reality of a lot of people that have built things. And you'll also see, you'll notice, when people build things, um, they'll build it, they'll exit it, and there's a kind of person that's an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And once they exit it, most people are not comfortable. Most people are not just comfortable just like sitting on your ass. Right. So again, I interview a lot of people. I'll give you two very good examples. Um, one of my good friends, Yosef Martin, mm -hmm. he sold his company, Bossy Charm, for $520 million, I think about three years ago now. Mm -hmm. Took some time. Last, I think, three days ago, actually. And, and we won't put dates, so we'll keep it evergreen. But three days ago, um, we're sitting at a coffee shop. He's like, Scott, I need to figure out what to build next. The guy never really has to work ever again. But it's like it's a mindset. So when you build something once and then you sell that thing and you have nothing going on really in your life compared to previously to that exit, um, you do have to go into something. And a lot of people feel that drive and that need. I'll give you another example. So Matt Higgins, um, he's a founder of RSE Ventures. He yeah. was a guest shark on Shark Tank. Uh, so obviously super successful guy, mm -hmm. put in his time, built a massive private equity firm, investment firm. Um, he's like good friends with Gary Vee. He just launched a book. He just wrote a book. Yeah. You're talking about the process of writing books. I'm thinking about doing this too. And he was like, listen, Scott, I like went full entrepreneur mode. So I wanted this book to be successful. So I was like sleeping four hours a night for like a month or two, writing, promoting, getting on podcasts, traveling, doing in person, doing as much PR as I could, going on Fox and MSNBC and CNBC, whatever. He's like, but that is my version of how to take something to market. Mm. So there's going to be a period of my life that's going to be super uncomfortable. But I know that when I get over that hump, it's going to be good. But I have to like be okay with that of, you know, those four hour, you know, sleepless nights yeah. and just putting a ton of work. And he said, like, even now, it was strange to me because um, he built his company successful. But now this book was like a passion project for him. And he said it, it was it took a toll on my health, even mm -hmm. though I've done this a thousand times. I have all these portfolio companies. I work with founders all the time. Even doing it again at this stage of my life, I thought I, it would be no problem. Mm -hmm. It still takes a toll on your health. Mm. And he's also very passionate and, and very much an advocate for if you want to take something to the next level, sometimes that's what it actually takes. Wow. So. 
Yeah, sometimes you got to sacrifice your health, and it's pretty crazy. I did that in college. I slept like four hours a day. It's not. Yeah, dude, that's a that's a very dangerous thing to say. You have to sacrifice your health to be successful. I think you can be careful about it. Yeah. But I, it's not relaxing. Yeah. That's the best way I can put it. It's not relaxing. I mean, my health is fine. I mean, I still you sleep look good, six man. hours. I, I work out, but like, <laughs> but but I mean, could I have spent more time with my girlfriend? Could I have seen my family more while I'm in that season of building in my life? Totally. Mm-hmm. So I think another and 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 you know, I've I've gotten sick. I've gotten burnt out again. Not a badge of honor, just a reality when you're really passionate about something and you're putting the time in. Yeah. And it's not like it's going to be like this all the time. But if you're building something, you're working full time um, and you have like, you know, you have to go travel like you're trying to like maintain the same schedule. You're going to get burnt out. You're going to get sick. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of doing all the things and trying to make everything work, yeah. managing your whole life. And it's difficult. But I think that outside of just, you know, there's a, obviously a lot of things you could do for your health and well-being, mental and physical, but also the relationships you have. That's another thing that people don't really understand about entrepreneurship. And this is like a very, this is going to be a lot of like very negative, a lot of positive about entrepreneurship as well. But I think that there's realities that people don't talk about a lot, like you mentioned before, Mm -hmm. that I rather people understand some of these things going in as opposed to just being blindsided by them later on. Right. So relationships, friends, family, spouse, better half, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, um, those are things that sometimes do not survive somebody that is working at full capacity. Yeah. And like multiple examples of that. So I think I'm, I'm blessed because I have, uh, I have a girlfriend that we've been together for four and a half years and she's building her own thing mm-hmm. and she operates at the same level. But like many examples, people that I've interviewed on my show, and I won't name names because this is a very personal thing, but a lot of people that have divorced, broken up with um, after 10, 11, 20, 30 years mm. because it just drift away time and focus is not on that other person um and unfortunately that hurts a lot of relationships especially if the two people don't understand what they're getting into when they start building something right so say i'm dating a girl and we're both working nine to five jobs just got out of college and i'm like i want to start a business and she's like yeah sure go for it i don't know what i'm getting myself into I'm not setting expectations. When she started dating me, she did not expect somebody working 80 hours a week, never going out, anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I haven't really prioritized her in a while. That causes strain. That causes relationships to break. Right. So it's not that relationships can't work, but you better be sure that you're setting expectations and that you're purposefully trying to make the relationship work because more often than not, it can cause enough strain to break it. Yeah. And that's something that people don't think about ever. Yeah, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, almost everyone I know at least, uh, has issues balancing mm-hmm. work and their relationship. Mm. Like it's it seems to be a common issue. It's it's work, it's money, and it's like it's funny enough, it's never like lack of money. It's like when one partner is way more successful than they thought. Mm-hmm. I've actually I haven't seen this as much I haven't seen this as much with um, with men being more successful. Maybe yeah, men get money and they get an ego, then they cheat and that's horrible. But I've actually seen when two partners, I have a friend, um, she was with her, I, I'm assuming fiance, she's with a man for 11 years. Mm-hmm. She started building a company, hyper successful, generating multi-million dollars in revenue per year. And the man couldn't deal with it. Mm. And they broke up because of that. So the man couldn't deal with the woman being the breadwinner in the house, which right. is, that's, that's a wild thought to me. But I mean, there's a variety of things that basically impact the the power balance of a relationship mm-hmm. that people going into that day one they did not expect 
Right. So there was a shift in the energy in the relationship that caused some sort of friction. Mm. And when you when you take on entrepreneurship, there is such a massive shift, whether or not it was that very weird but specific example, or it's you're working too much, there's a shift in the energy between the two people that I think a lot of people just don't think about going into it, which will basically, if people don't level themselves up and, and be okay with the the new version of that relationship, mm-hmm. then of course they're not going to be comfortable with it. Like yeah. if you if you dated somebody and they were this kind of person, and then ten years later they're a very different person, that stresses you out. And entrepreneurship is forcing you to evolve very quickly. Always, yeah. It is the it is like there is never a situation where you go in to build a business, even if it's not successful, where you will not evolve as a human being. Mm-hmm. So you better be sure that your partner is cool with that and mm-hmm. is willing to join you on that ride, because if not, that's when Shit's not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I never thought of it that way. That's really impactful. Uh, earlier, you mentioned burnout, and mm-hmm. there's all these new studies on how stress is really harmful and can potentially take years off your life. How do you deal with your stress, and what advice would you give the people that are feeling stress? Um, so for me, a lot of it, uh, yeah. So I work on things that I do enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm very quick to if something is like physically draining my energy, I cut it out of my life, including mm-hmm. people. I really don't have energy or time for that, and I feel like. People keep, and, and you know this, when you go into a room, you talk to somebody, it's just a negative vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know these people, and I think a lot of people keep those individuals around too long. Mm. And, and it's not just individuals. It could also be it could also be you're working for a job too long while you're trying to build something, and like maybe that thing that you're building is successful, but you're still working for a boss you hate because you're scared, but like that 9 to 5 actually makes you depressed. Mm. And you feel like you walk into that office and you feel the energy drain. Like when when you feel like you're in a shitty situation and hopefully you have the ability to remove yourself from that, like that situation, do it mm. as soon as possible. Like rip the Band-Aid off. Everybody knows when they're around people or doing things that don't give them energy, kill that shit. Because that compounds your right. burnout exponentially. Um, other things that can easily lead to burnout is multitasking. So I'm, you know, I'm... I'm speaking about working a nine to five while starting a side hustle. People are like, well, isn't that multitasking? Yes, but no. Meaning that if I'm working my nine to five or if I'm working on my side hustle, I'm not bullshitting with other stuff while I'm doing that very specific task. Mm -hmm. So burnout is a real thing. Um, People that multitask think they're good at it. They're not. There's studies done on what's called attention residue, which means that every time you switch tasks, you get slightly less efficient and and you really build up residue in your brain that allows you to, or doesn't allow you to operate as efficiently as if you were just hyper-focused on one task. Mm. And there's actually studies, and I'm not pretending to be a doctor, but there are studies that are done on attention residue. So to avoid burnout, focus, hyper-focus on the thing that you're doing in the moment and only that. And then if you do need to switch tasks, there's actually a strategy that you basically time block how long you're gonna be working on the new task and the plan that you will have to return to the old task. And when you do that, you uh, mentally sort of enable yourself to switch to that new task without causing additional attention residue, which again, over the course of the day, if we're constantly switching tasks, builds up Mm -hmm. and then increases fatigue, uh, decreases the ability to make decisions, increases the feelings of burnout. Mm. So hyper-focusing is one way, like a um, a very tactical way to reduce burnout as well. Um, again, everything in your life that isn't in line with what you're doing can increase your burnout. So if you have a partner that isn't supportive, if you have parents that aren't supportive, if you, um, 
I'm trying to think. You're saying to cut your parents off? No, <laughs> I'm not saying to cut your parents <laughs> off. But I am saying that if they are not supportive of you, then you do have to limit. If you're talking to them every day yeah. and you're calling them every day and every day they're giving you shit, that's not conducive to building something. Mm. So fine, talk to them once a week or talk to them once every two weeks. But the point is, if they are draining your energy, you have to be cognizant of that. Right. So, okay, are you going to kill the relationship with your parents? No, obviously not. But you also can't let them sabotage your every single day. Right. Right. That's that's it's tough for a lot of people that have really great relationships with their parents. But I would say, like, your relationship isn't great if they're not supporting what you're doing mm. and they're not supporting what you're passionate about. So don't break it off. But understand that it's hurting you yeah. and it is helping. It is causing burnout. So, again, so relationships, focus, um, trying to think of what else I, I would say physical health. Yeah. Uh, is a big one so if you aren't in great physical shape and you don't have to be like a you know you know five percent body fat but if you aren't going to the gym if you aren't working out if you aren't eating right if you aren't understanding what foods um sort of optimize your energy levels so that you can perform at like peak performance all the time like i have a very specific diet that i use mm -hmm. that's worked for me that i've sort of tried to perfect over you know my entire life um I think that that can lead to burnout too. Mm. If you're always eating garbage, right. I mean, if you're always drinking and all the same bullshit. I mean, yeah. most of the people that I know that are high performers also try and biohack to some degree. Yeah. So they're always trying to find ways to op like operate at like peak capacity, right? Peak performance. So whatever the food they eat, the you know the workout routine they do, the sleep schedule they have, it's all they they all try and like maximize their day yeah. as much as possible and when you maximize your day and you are hitting walls at 4 p.m because you didn't have a, a shitty lunch mm -hmm. yeah it it will help you it will help you do more it will help you um i guess not just do more but like do it better mm -hmm. so that you're not you know writing shitty emails or you're you're not the work that you do or the you know the document you're putting together it's not like filled with errors and shit like that when you are operating at high energy so i'd say that also helps avoid burnout um, but it's, it's not like one thing. It's a combination of like everything, mm -hmm. but being aware of all the different things that can sort of like hijack your day in your life. I think that's the number one way to avoid burnout. Absolutely. What are some biohacks do you, that you do? Do you fast? Do you take pills? Um, yeah. So, uh, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty heavy coffee drinker. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, I've, I've fucked around with nootropics, but I don't really like them that much. I find that most nootropics, like they give you some sort of focus, but then you, I, personally, I get like a massive down after mm. nootropics and like, we're not talking Adderall. We're talking like actual nootropics. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't love the feeling for me. My perfect day is uh, coffee, 9am one and usually around five. So like three cups Whoa, a day. That's late. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that though. Cause I'll go, I, but I'll, I'll go to bed around like one o'clock. So okay. it's not too, too bad for me. I'll do intermittent fasting. So um, that means like a 16 and eight. So 16 hours fasted, eight hours eating. Right. Sometimes I even do like a like a, a 20 hour fast, four hour eating window. Um, and I'll do that in the morning. Okay. So I won't eat until around three or four. And for me, coffee plus fasting in the morning gives me optimal energy. Mm. So I feel like on like zoned in, like candidly better than most nootropics. And there's no massive down because the only stimulant you're on is caffeine. Right. Um, I, I mess around with diets. Like I operate better on a low carb diet. Same. Um, so what I'll try and do is like Monday to Friday, I'll usually do keto or low carb mm -hmm. as much as possible. Saturday, Sunday, I'm like, I'll, I'll refeed and do like a higher carb diet. Like really don't care what I eat on Saturday, Sunday. And I found that that sort of combination is the best for like energy levels, mm -hmm. um, just for like operating, uh, for being alert, um, for being like, like cognitively present. And, um, 
I also find like, of course, like that diet plays into like my workout routine too. Mm -hmm. So that's like my best possible diet for working out. Um, I don't do a ton of cardio. I should do more. I don't do a ton of cardio. Mm. I love lifting. Always love lifting. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. How many days a week do you lift? Mm, four. Okay. Usually four. It's pretty doable. Yeah, it's like it's very doable. Yeah, yeah it's like it's, it's like really not a lot. And like, I mean, like, this is not a um, a fitness podcast, but I mean, like, I'll do like um like a, a like a chest and tries, back and buys, leg, shoulder, abs, mm -hmm. like very basic split. Yeah. A pretty like normal bodybuilder split, but yeah. I find that works. And combined with like a keto diet or a low carb diet, which is, it's also a very high protein diet. Yeah. It's like you end up looking good too, and you end up functioning better. Yeah. So for me, it's a win-win. But I mean, like nutrition and diet recommendations, it, it's really dependent on your schedule. It's dependent on like how food interacts with your body. I know people that die on low carb. They die? Not die. Like, like, like they're no energy. Oh, oh. Like, like they don't die. Like, I mean, like they have no energy. Okay. <laughs> not actually yeah, die. Yeah. No, like they just like, they're not performing well. Yeah. Not, okay. no, not die. No, it's interesting. Um, you said that I, yeah. I found out last week, I'm actually allergic to most carbs. Like, like, um, fortified uh, and enriched stuff. All, all but is that. that like, uh, that's not, um, what's the word? Um, uh, glucose, like glucose intolerant. No, there's a gene. So I took a 10 X health systems test. Oh, that, that gene. <laughs> test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I found out America for some reason, um, they do a lot of fortified and enriched grains. Yeah, the food here is garbage. Yeah. So food I'm here is absolutely garbage. I yeah. mean, like most of my diet, like you're talking about keto and low carb, it's mostly meat. Yeah. Like it is mostly meat throughout the week. I eat very few grains. What type it. of meat? Like organic, grass fed? Um, I mean, any type of meat is better than eating shit that you'd get from a restaurant. But yeah, yeah organic, grass fed, um, sometimes kosher as well. It's, okay. it's pretty well taken care of. Um, chicken, beef nothing too crazy yeah find different ways to make it not monotonous <laughs> but like yeah but yeah. yeah um would you ever do the carnivore diet isn't that just pure meat just pure meat yeah i would okay i would i get bored though yeah rogan does it but i don't, I don't feel i don't feel like it has enough benefit because i would like literally lose my mind like just with how bored i'd be about the food <laughs> that i'm eating every day i feel like low carb or keto where you can include like cheese mm -hmm. and maybe some nuts as well. Like at least it gives you enough variety throughout the week to not be bored. Yeah. I mean, I don't like being bored with my food. I, if I like a dish, I'll eat it, but I don't want to just eat meat. Yeah. You know, those people that meal prep the chicken and rice every day. Well, that's, that's like, yeah, that's like a hardcore bodybuilder yeah, kind of like, do that, man. I also find that boring, but I enjoy eating heavier fat foods cause I find it tastes better Yeah. versus because you, there's so many different diets, right? Like all diets, Ultimately, what you're trying to do is you're trying to optimize like your your um, like your workout and your fitness performance. But then you also want to like make sure that you have energy levels and you're not like peaking and valleying all day. Yeah. So, chicken and rice is really good for like a like a you know high protein, moderate carb, low fat diet. But when I do that kind of diet, I'll maybe perform like 10% better in the gym mm -hmm. because I do have a few more carbs going through my body. But I find that like my peaks and valleys, like I'll hit. I'll hit walls throughout the day mm. and I'll be like, I'll be very tired. Right. So I'll be tired like right before lunch. I'll be super hungry. Um, I'll be tired around three, four o'clock. Um, my sleep won't be as good if I have carbs in my diet. Like there's a whole bunch of reasons. Like it's not like you can't do it. It's yeah. just, I don't enjoy it as much. I don't operate as well. Yeah. That makes sense. Scott, it's been a pleasure, man. Any closing comments or where people can find out more? No, dude, that's awesome. I love it. Short and sweet. Okay. Um, ScottDClary.com. Everything's there. Perfect. Cool. All right. You heard it there, guys. Digital Social Hour. I'll see you next week.
I want to take a second and thank Indeed. They're a huge sponsor of the Success Story podcast. And as business leaders, we're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. It's to match with Indeed. Now, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. You need to ditch the busy work. You need to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster, all the tools you need are in one spot. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite. Now, as a business owner, I always remember when my company hits a growth spurt. It's great, but then you realize that things start to break. Things are taking three times as long. Manual processes start to bury your team in paperwork and admin, and you really don't have one reliable source of data or truth to understand how healthy your business is. If this sounds familiar, you have to know three numbers. 37,000, that's how many businesses have upgraded to NetSuite, the number one cloud financial system. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years streamlining accounting, inventory, HR, and more for growing companies. And one, because your business truly is one of a kind, NetSuite gives you customized solutions so you can manage everything about your business in one place, from inventory to invoicing, one powerfully efficient system. I love having all of my data in one spot NetSuite allows me to do that. It gives me the big picture so I can make smarter decisions. And they turn complex financials into understandable, actionable insights. Right now, you can get NetSuite's popular KPI checklist for free to help improve your business. It's designed to help you boost performance across key areas of your business. Go to netsuite.com slash Clary to download the checklist and see how one complete system can transform your growth. That's netsuite.com slash Scott Clary. Get more control in your business with NetSuite. Just a quick question. Have you ever had one of those oh no moments when you realize that you accidentally deleted a huge file? Or worse, your whole computer dies. I know I have. It's happened to me a lot, but don't sweat it. The sponsor of today's episode, Backblaze, they have your back. It is unlimited backups for all your Macs, your PCs, or even your whole company. And it's really affordable under a hundred bucks a year. If you're running a business, they take the stress out of protecting everyone's data. If you need more bells and whistles for compliance, so on and so forth, they have enterprise options too. Honestly, losing data sucks, but Backblaze makes getting it back easy. They have restored billions of files. They offer tons of restore options, including rapid recovery in an event of data loss or ransomware. And you can access your backed up data from everywhere and anywhere in the world using their web app, iOS, or Android apps. It's been recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and tons more. And best, you can try it fully featured with no risk at backblaze.com slash story. They set up that link for all Success Story podcast listeners. That is a no-risk free trial at backblaze.com slash story. Seriously, 
back up your stuff. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. I want to thank Belay for sponsoring today's episode. They provide solutions that all of us need. They help us get back more of our time because time is the most precious resource. A lot of you listening our business leaders, entrepreneurs, you know that if you spend your time incorrectly, it can make or break your business, your personal, professional relationships. It can completely sidetrack you and stop you from reaching your goals. So I'm going to ask you, are you protecting your time? How much of your day is eaten up by tasks that could have been done by someone else? Wouldn't you rather spend your time on things that truly matter? The answer should be yes, because you have to, to move the needle on whatever it is you're trying to build. That's where Belay comes in. They are the nation's largest pool of exceptional U.S.-based talent. Belay offers flexible staffing solutions to free you up. Need a virtual assistant to conquer those pesky administrative tasks or maybe an accounting professional to really keep your finances in order? Belay can help with all that and way more. Their personalized matching process saves you the headache of hiring by finding the perfect match for your needs in as little as a week. Focus on what matters the most with the help from Belay. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to learn more and get started. 